For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much, and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shady. As always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how are you doing today? Doing well, Jeff. How about you? I'm doing great, thank you. And Jake, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing great as well, Jeff. Thanks for asking. It is my pleasure. I hope everybody else is doing well today. We've got another great show lined up for us today on Show Me the Money. Early December, before you know it, it's going to be 2023. And as the clock ticks down towards the new year, of course, we'll have some shows to talk about some of the things that you might want to be cognizant of here at the end of the year and also at the beginning of the year. But on today's show, we're going to be doing something that we have done several times in past years, and that is talk about the five keys to retirement planning. What are some of the updates that uh, happen from year to year on this planning guide, Randy or Jake? Sure. There's income planning uh, guidelines change a little bit as far as Social Security goes and, you know, what their annual increase is going to be for Social Security. You know, if, if there's any changes in taxes and stuff, we always address the tax aspect of it. If there's any change basically to health care, Medicare, Medicaid, some of those things, we'll touch on that a little bit. But really, it's just, you know, the tweaks that happen every year across right. the board with taxes, income planning, investing and all that that we need to keep people abreast of. So this is updated information this year. As you said, things can change a little bit. And we're going to be talking about income planning, investing, taxes, estate and legacy planning and also health care. So let's start off with income planning, Randy. The first thing in income, I think the biggest leg in the retirement stool is going to be Social Security. What is different about Social Security here in 2023? Sure thing, Jeff. Every year, what we find out is there's a couple of things. If you're still working and you are paying into Social Security, every year they update how much you're going to have to pay in and when you get to stop paying into Social Security, which, you know, is a big piece that gets held out of everybody's paycheck each and every month. And so that gets updated every year. And I think the new number for this year is 147000 is where we get to stop paying into Social Security. And, you know, unfortunately for a lot of people, that means they never get to stop paying into Social Security. They just have to <laughs> yeah. pay and pay and pay and pay. But that's one of the things that's out there. But if you're retired or about to be retired, you know, for 2023, benefits have been increased by 8.7%. And this will be the biggest cost of living increase in 40 years. And it's, of course, due to the inflation that we've had since the pandemic in 2021 and 2022. And, you know, every year uh, we've all, we've heard this over the years and we know it's true that every year buying power is reduced, you know, by inflation. And certainly the last couple of years, uh, you know, we've had a lot of inflation. And so I'm sure this is going to be a very welcomed raise for people. So for people getting Social Security, you're going to get 8.7% more with your January check. Now, for those people who have not taken Social Security, that does not or does it mean that their Social Security benefit rises by 8.7%. 
It absolutely does. In fact, if you go out to socialsecurity.gov, you can go out and build a login and you can watch that. And so just to be sure that I was sure that it would, I went out and checked my own personal benefit. And sure enough, right around the first part of November, they did go ahead and give us the uptick on our future Social Security so that I can attest to the fact that, yes, indeed, you did get it. Okay, whether or not you're receiving Social Security or not, you're still going to get an 8.7% increase. And again, every time I mention Social Security, everybody says, well, it's going to run out. It's going to run out. I'm going to take it at age 62. So in 2034, I believe it is, we're expected to get 77% of what we're getting right now. That is, if nothing is done. But do you really believe that there is a politician that's going to let that happen? Well, I think that all politicians realize that it's not popular to right. let any senior citizen starve. <laughs> so they're, they're not going to probably do that and, and, or, or have to choose between, you know, uh, their medication and food and, and things of that nature. So while, yes, Social Security is going to have to be modified and changed and tweaked moving forward, as it always has been, by the way, over the years, uh, there's probably some pretty good overhaul that needs to be done there. But there's always going to be benefits for people out there. And, you know, we have our theories on what may happen. They may means-based test where you get Social Security. In other words, if you have been successful in life, you've owned a business, you've saved lots of money, you got a big retirement plan, there may be a limit to how much income or how many assets you have and collect Social Security. Or they may just slide the uh, retirement age out. Maybe you can't do it at 62. Maybe it goes to 65. Or maybe your full retirement age goes to 75. You know, uh, who knows what they will do. 105? But they are 105, yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> Sorry, Jake. <laughs> they, they will address it in the future. And I, I just don't think that for people listening to this show, I mean, if you're 55 and under, you may right. see some significant change. I think if you're 55 and older, I don't think you're going to notice a big significant change. And there are three ages, basically, that you can take Social Security. I shouldn't say there are three, but basically there are three. The earliest you can take it is uh, 62. Then there's full retirement age between 66 and 67, depending upon the year that you were born. And then there is age 70. You can take it at any year between those ages. Why would someone want to take it at 62 or not take it at 62? Yeah, that's a question that we get asked all the time. Randy, when should I take my Social Security? And I say, well, tell me the day you'll draw your last breath, and we'll tell you the exact <laughs> time you should file. And, and nobody knows the answer to that, right? I think a lot of it, too, Jeff, comes down to when you choose to retire. So if you take Social Security before your full retirement age, you have a limit on how much income you can make to avoid having to pay some of the Social Security back. So I think... If you're past age 62 and you're retired, it's hard to argue with not going ahead and taking it. You know, I think taking it makes a lot more sense there. If you are not retired yet and you're making 30 or 40,000 a year, it makes no sense really to turn it on because you're just giving yourself a pay cut at right. your job. So, I think when you quit working or slow down working, if you go to like part-time and you're under the 20,000 a year or so that you get to make, I think that really has probably the most input on when you take social security, you know. If you already have enough income from your career and you're still working and you're 68, 69, 70, it probably makes sense to delay Social Security because if you don't really need the money anyway, you might as well let that kind of build up as an insurance policy. But I think once you retire, I think there's a pretty big case to be made to go ahead and turn it on. And once again, your full retirement age is between 66 and 67. And what that means 
is that that situation does not apply to you. If you get to be full retirement age, you can make as much as you want. And what is your full retirement age? We'll simply go out to the Social Security website. There's a retirement planner on there. Plug in your information. It'll tell you what your retirement age is, and it'll give you an estimated benefit. And then finally, you can wait until age 70 to take it. That is the age that you get the most. But between full retirement age and age 70, it does increase a little bit, doesn't it? It does. You get 8% simple increase simple. meaning simple okay. simple meaning not compound so in other words let's say i have a $2000 a month benefit and i wait that next year past my full retirement age 8% of that 2000 is basically going to be $160 a month and then basically the next 2 years you will just get 160 and 160 stacked on top of that you don't get to compound it and so it makes a little bit of difference but it's important that people understand that it is simple because they're going to say hmm these numbers don't make sense to me when if they're trying to counter it up that way and that's the reason that i that i bring that up for sure so we're talking about the five keys to retirement planning here in 2023 with randy and jake floyd of floyd financial group now this is a guide i understand that can be found on your website is that true That is correct. Every quarter, we put new guides out, and we have everything from, you know, 401ks to IRAs to Roth conversions uh, to Medicare to taxes to income planning to uh, investing in volatile times. So we put these guides out there that give people a lot of stuff to think about. And uh, as one guy said, Jeff, are you ready for this? points to ponder. <laughs> that is some heavy thinking there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, early in, well, it's not that early in the morning. It's actually Saturday, but nevertheless. Randy, you get up really early. You know, I know this is off topic. You get up early in the morning, but do you sleep in on Saturday? I mean, do you just uh, sleep in because you don't have to go to work, but you do have to do this show? You know, I sleep in. When I sleep in, I sleep in until generally six is about as long as I can go. <laughs> that, that's two hours longer than I normally go, you know, so... <laughs> Okay. That's about it. <laughs> All right. I don't know why that came into my mind. As I said, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night, look at the clock and go, well, Randy's up. I wonder what he's doing. And then I go back to sleep. As I said, we're talking about the five keys to retirement planning with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. So that is Social Security. And I want to touch on this before we go to the break, but I'm looking at a big red retirement stool here, which basically has three legs to it. It has Social Security, I think, is the biggest leg, or at least I want to think that it's the biggest leg. It also has personal savings and company pensions, and we're going to be talking about that. But are there actually more legs to a retirement stool? I mean, for the most part, do you find that people really are lucky to have three legs or do some people have four and five legs? Well, you know, some people only have two legs. I mean, I'm one of those. Ooh, you know, right. I only have two. And so, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. So, I anyway. Both shoes. No. <laughs> so, yes, some people have what we would categorize, and it, within this category are many subcategories, right. but let's call it personal savings. So, that may be savings accounts, it may be cash value life insurance, it may be CDs, it may be 401ks, it may be IRAs or Roth. IRAs that would go into what we would categorize as personal savings as one leg of the stool. Now, for those people that still have pensions out there from your company, which you are an anomaly in today's world. Yeah, you're about as rare as a person with three <laughs> yeah, legs. that's right. And so if, if you uh, have one of those, that's great. That's a second leg to your stool. And then Social Security would be the third. And then actually, there is a fourth leg that is uh, not even pictured here that we should think about and really talk about. And that is the fact that some people do plan to work part-time, and that can certainly be a fourth leg to the stool, yeah. you know, when they retire. And we're seeing more and more of that just from the standpoint that, you know, 
if you've been working 40, 45 years, sometimes it's hard to just stop, you know, and not have any type of a schedule or something to do. And so, you know, that's one of the things we always ask when we sit down with people to do their income planning and their retirement plan is, hey, what does retirement mean to you? What do you plan to do now that you're going to have all this time on your hands? Because again, we want people to retire to something, not just from something. I think a lot of times people think we're crazy when we're talking in our meetings, you know, because we talk about finances, but we talk about a lot of other things. And I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this on the show, but, you know, we talk a lot about what it is people want out of their retirement. You know, part of it's a personality thing. You know, some people, they don't, they don't have a play button. They have work and do nothing. Right. And so I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from a small part-time job doing something that they really love to do. You know, maybe you were a, a salesman for 40 years, but your true passion is woodworking, right? You can mm-hmm. go and get a job different places and, you know, sell those types of tools, you know, give tips to people and really, uh, you know, that's not really my thing, but uh, I do think there are lots of people, uh, especially listening to this show, that are mechanically inclined and, you know, Know, really have a lot of a lot of skills that they can still use and maybe do it in a way that's more fulfilling to them more fun less work but still give you that sense of purpose when you get up in the morning yeah and i couldn't imagine doing nothing in retirement i'm already preparing for that i just bought a great big giant rolling toolbox and i'm filling it with tools and when i'm retired i'm going to get a classic car that needs a full restoration i'm going to spend a few years doing that just have some fun rolling down the street in style we're talking about the five keys to retirement plan in 2023 with Randy and Jake Floyd and Floyd Financial Group. In the next segment, we're going to continue to talk about income planning. But in the meantime, you're listening to this program. You'd like a no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment retirement roadmap, a plan with Randy and Jake. You can get it by calling 417-889-7233. Or you can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money, and we're going to continue with income planning. And Jeff, drum roll, please. I have the number one big question on everybody's mind. Are you ready for this? Would you rather have $50,000 a year guaranteed for life or what's behind door number two, $1 million to invest? For me, Randy, I think I would take the million dollars because I don't know how long I'm going to live. Exactly right. You don't know how long you're going to live. It might be that you will live to be a ripe old age, but none of us know what tomorrow holds. So, you know, it's a question that there really is no right or wrong answer to. You know, it just depends on how people feel about money and that guaranteed paycheck versus maybe having to invest and change investments and really watch your investments to generate that $50,000 per year. So when we start looking at retirement planning, that's some of the questions we ask people, you know, are you are you really needing, do you want a guaranteed baseline of income? Or are you okay with, you know, investing that money? So we have lots of different tools and different ways we can go about guaranteeing 
that people don't run out of money and even guaranteeing income streams through certain companies that do annuity contracts, you know, and that sort of thing. And there's lots of different types of annuity contracts. So I'm going to take two seconds to say there are immediate annuities that work kind of like a pension where you exchange a lump sum of cash for a monthly or annual paycheck, at which time the lump sum goes away and you're guaranteed your monthly or annual income. Or there are these types of annuities that are designed to be deferred and that will actually earn money and can earn quite handsomely if you pick the right setup where you can generate income each year out of there. And you can also put a rider on there, which does cost extra Mm -hmm. money, which I'm not always a fan of because I want to keep costs as low as possible. And you can guarantee an income stream that way and still have some access to your liquid money, which is really the big problem with just taking a straight up immediate annuity or a pension plan you give up all your options once you start down that path. So suffice it to say that if you're what 50,000 bucks a year out of a million dollars, we only need a 5% return. While now right now in the in the middle of where we are right now, you'd say, well, you know, I'd love to make 5% this year. Yeah. <laughs> and so would the rest of the world. But you know, we're in a cycle right now, a downturn. And on the other side of this is going to be great things to come. But, you know, depending on, you know, where you are uh, in life right now, a deferred annuity might be something that could be a good part of your portfolio. And let me say this, there's many types of annuities. You know, we don't think there's any bad asset class. We just think that there's asset classes that are better at certain times. And there are certain safety valves, depending on what a person's risk tolerance is and their ability to take ups and downs. There's different, you know, things, different tools we would use to accomplish what they're looking to accomplish. So, uh, you know, we use everything from stocks to bonds. We don't really use mutual funds. We use ETFs. We can, you know, invest in precious metal if you want to. It's not a big mainstay of ours. I don't think come and go is going to let me scrape off a little gold to buy my Diet Coke tomorrow (laughs) if things get bad, uh, but we can do real estate, you know, we can do uh, any of those types of things. And those are all part of, you know, the, the planning repertoire that we have to uh, deliver income to people. And I want to point out something too, or reiterate something that you said, Randy. I mean, we do run in cycles right now. It would be a little hard to get 5%. I mean, CDs are creeping up a little bit. They're not at 5% at this point. But as you said, the market is cyclical. And I've got every hope that we're going to be getting back to more of a bull market sooner than later. I know you don't have a crystal ball, Randy, but what do you think about the prognosis that, you know, things are going to be turning the corner here? Yeah, I mean, things will turn around. I don't know when that will be. We have to remember, Jeff, that the market, the stock market itself, is a forward-looking predictor of what's to come. And so here we are, we're fully 11 months into what the stock market and the bond market says is a coming recession. But the economy right now, in fact, I was listening to an interview earlier this week with Jamie Dimon from uh, J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. Chase. He says that people still have $1.5 trillion in extra money in their checking and savings accounts that they're spending down right now, which is why the economy is still perking right along and why we, why we still have inflation lurking and hanging around. So, you know, we will get to the other side of this. You know, Jerome Powell, I think, is going to be uh, keeping a stiff upper lip, and I think he will continue to raise interest rates until he gets this under control. And when he you know, decides to relax his stance on interest rates, I think we'll see the market will start to turn around. Then the economy will probably still be 
in a free fall for a while while it gets its legs back under it. But the market will turn first, followed by the economy. So, again, getting back to the base question, would you rather have $50,000 a year or $1 million in a lump sum? I think we've decided that the $1 million in the lump sum would be the way to go. We're talking about the five keys to retirement planning with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group this segment. Where's the rest of your retirement income going to come from? We've talked about Social Security. Of course, we've talked about uh, personal savings a little bit and some ways to maximize personal savings. Let's talk about company pensions. I mean, Randy, not a lot of people have company pensions these days, do they? No, Jeff, there's not many pensions left out there. I think the last time I actually kind of went out and did a polling online, about 16% of companies still offer pensions. I will say this, you know, that the pensions we do see have been quite impressive. And the reason they've been quite impressive in size, more so even of late, and now there's been a recent development that we'll talk about here. Pension plans have done really well over the last few years because interest rates were falling, 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 falling. Now that interest rates are going up, the underlying investments inside pension plans are typically some type of fixed income or a bond, which are getting decimated right now because interest rates are on the rise, which means that any fixed interest rate that pays a lower interest rate than we can currently get on a 10-year or a two-year or a one-year bond, those things are going down in value. So for the first time, maybe in maybe not since people have been measuring, pension funds are actually going to get a devaluation come the first of the year. That is interesting. I never thought about that, but that is exactly right. So the retirement still so far, personal savings, Social Security and company pensions for those people who do not have pensions. And Randy, as you said, it is probably better than 80 percent of people who do not have pensions. There are pension alternatives. What is one of the main ways that you can create a pension alternative for somebody? Sure. You know, we talked about the fact that one of the caveats to taking a pension is the fact that once you take that pension, you don't get to change it. So if you set it up to where it pays just to you, which sometimes people don't quite understand what they're doing when they set their pension up and they do that and you die early, your spouse gets nothing. Or if you set it up, you know, where you and your spouse share 100 percent or 50 percent or whatever it is when one passes away, that's a good alternative. But sometimes people say, well, I'm not sure which of these is the best option for me. And sometimes people say, should I buy a life insurance policy on my spouse to offset what I might lose? You know, when you start looking at how you make decisions about how to take a pension, it's something to really think about. So one of the things we like to do is to use a variation of what I would call a personal pension plan that will allow us to take income and, you know, not spend our principal down too much. We're going to have some variation in it, but, you know, we can have downside risk protection. We get market upside participation when the market works. And so it's a way for us to generate, you know, maybe that 5% or that $50,000 a year off of a million dollars and not run our clients out of money and even probably make some money over the long haul. So, you know, there's just a lot of ways to go about it. We also have personal pension plans, I would call them, and just what we call them internally here. It's not an, an official term. But what it does is it allows us to take income, get a guarantee of income, you know, based on the company we take it from, but also have flexibility to reach in there and get a little lump sum if we want to, or, you know, to change our mind down the roads at some point and move that money elsewhere. So there's lots of options and lots of flexibility. We are about flexibility, being able to change, being able to move, being able to shake with our investments, rather than just being, okay, we're locked in, this is it. Well, what if something happens out of the ordinary and we can't get to you know money? That's, that's, we don't want to ever put people in that position. 
And for those people who say, I hate annuities, you ask them why, and they go, I don't know. I heard a guy on the radio say he hates annuities. Well, you know, Social Security is an annuity. A pension is an annuity. Do you hate your Social Security? Do you hate a pension? And uh, as you said, I think annuities could be a pension substitute. You were talking briefly about the one that uh, can gain little value but not lose money, and I think that's called a fixed index annuity. Now, Randy, you've said before, are there really hundreds of different types of annuities, and how many of those do you actually use and why? Yeah, so, I mean, if you were to go out and just parse the landscape of annuities of companies, there's probably literally 60 or 70 big companies that do this, and probably a lot more than that in general, but 60 or 70 large companies that do them. And then there's probably a couple of thousand variations. If you look at all the different index allocations inside there, there's another 10,000 variations, and there's probably three to four that we like to use, and that's going to be it. And the reason is many of these plans, while yes, they will give you downside protection, you just can't make any money to the upside. And that's really, Mm -hmm. uh, that's problematic for our clients. And that's why we just don't like to use those. Also, there's some of these that are pretty high expense load attached to them, especially when you start putting income riders on there and death benefit riders and things of that nature. Sometimes those things make sense. It just depends on the situation. But many times keeping, and most times I would say, keeping the cost cost of investing low is crucial. It's one of the key things we want to do. Well, I think it's not fair to paint all annuities with such a broad brush. It's okay to hate some annuities, as you said, because they have high fees. Maybe they don't perform as well, but then there are other annuities who just may be the right annuity for your portfolio. We're talking with Randy and Jake about the five keys to retirement planning on today's Show Me the Money. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're going to continue with our conversation in just a moment. But in the meantime, I want to remind you that if you're listening to the program right now, you're going, these guys are really a couple of smart fellows. Love to get in and sit down and pick their brains and talk with them. You can do that. Doesn't cost you a dime, no cost, no obligation, no judgment to sit down, talk with Randy and Jake and get your financial plan. Or if you've already got a financial plan, maybe you're doing it yourself. Maybe you want to run some figures by them. To get your no cost, no obligation financial plan, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Do it today, won't you? You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM, KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about, hey, what's your investment plan? And this is all part of the five keys to retirement planning. So, Randy, what is the number one thing that you want to consider as far as an investment plan? Well, I think number one would be to actually have a plan would be <laughs> key. And and I know that yeah. sounds kind of, kind of smart-alecky. I don't mean it that way. I guess what I'm saying is, is we need to be looking forward toward a goal. You know, it's been be said smart that goals. Smart goals. That's the that's specific, measurable, appropriate, realistic, and time bound. <laughs> well, if you think about it, though, it's really it's really pretty yeah. accurate, isn't it? Because if we set a goal and we never put a time on it, it's kind of like the, yeah. the, the guy said, what, what was it that kept the guy from achieving his goal? He never committed yeah. to it. So, Randy, I would imagine that tax minimization is probably another key retirement planning tip that people should be cognizant of in this segment. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, tax planning is something, you know, Rod Link tells me, uh, that's our, our tax guy we do a lot of work with here of Link Tax Solutions. He tells me, he says, yeah, people come in, they bring me a big box and say, be gentle. And, you know, he says uh, it's a foregone conclusion at that point. We just have to file it. So tax planning, thinking about what we're going to be doing on the front end is very important. And, you know, at first blush, it seems like that, you know, boy, you know, converting my IRA or my 401k to a Roth is probably a very smart move. Let me just say this. We can certainly look at it and consider it for everyone. Is it a smart move for somebody that's 70? Probably not. I mean, it just depends on your situation and how much money is actually in the 401k or the uh, IRA plan that you're wanting to convert. Does can it make sense to convert some of it? Yes. The thing that's kind of interesting is, is we have to look at what is your tax bracket now while you're working? What is your tax bracket likely to be when you're retired? And when we have those pieces of the puzzle, along with how much money we're looking to convert, we can make some pretty solid decisions, and Rod helps us run those numbers all the time. Now, nobody can predict what taxes are going to be in the future. But I would say this, for the average person that retires, I'm not talking about the super elites, you know, the people that have 10 million, 15, 100 million dollars to invest and stuff like that. But I'm talking about the average person that you bump into at Walmart or the grocery store, you know, that lives next door to you. Most of those folks are not going to be in tax brackets well above or even equal to where they are probably while they're working. Or they might be equal, but they're probably not going to be above that. And so when we start looking at that, yes, we have to consider tax ramifications, but we also have to look at what did we give up by paying the taxes today and converting that money? What did we give up that can now no longer earn income for us? So uh, if we can stay within you know, a tax bracket, and right now you know the tax brackets for the Fed are 10% on the first 20000 for a married couple, 12% up to 89000 and then above that, at 89000 like $1, you go to 22%. Well, if I can stay in the 12% tax bracket and do some Roth converting, and by the way, if you're a married couple and you just use a standard marital deduction right now, you can make about $110,000 a year in your retirement income and still stay in the 12% tax bracket. So if your retirement income is seventy or 75000 yeah, we can do some Roth conversion that might help and be something that you can use long term. I also tell people this, sometimes it just doesn't make sense because you're already bumping your head against there. Now, the only thing that would make sense is if you want to give your children an inheritance, you get a lot of IRA money, and you want to prepay the taxes for them, then that might make sense as well. And potentially those children could be in a much higher tax bracket than you are. You know, if you have kind of the average job, but your son is a meteorologist or whatever, that could definitely make a big difference rather than dumping a bunch of unwanted income that pushes him even higher. So... Yeah, I think that's just a part of that as well. We're talking about the five keys to retirement planning with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group this segment. We're talking about investing. We started off with taxes here, tax minimization, very important part of your investment plan. So what can we do today, Randy and Jake, to minimize our taxes tomorrow? Yeah, let's stay in the vein of Roth conversion, because I want to talk about this for a moment. And this is something that at first blush, people would say, Eh, I don't know so I don't know about that. So let's talk about let's say that I am a 55-year-old female 
you know, I'm, I'm married, but we got kids, and I'm thinking I want to leave my kids an inheritance, and I want to leave them a tax-free inheritance. You know, we have all this IRA money. We really don't need the money off the IRA. So we think what we want to do is we would either want to do a Roth conversion or something similar to that. One of the things that we can do for someone in that situation, if they're in good health, we could use a life insurance contract take the money from the IRA. Now you have to be 59 and a half to do this. You can do it at 55 from a 401k and you can start to fund a life insurance policy and you can buy a lot of life insurance for a low amount of money and you can buy that thing on what's called a guaranteed universal life, which basically nothing will ever change about it and the death benefit will be there and the death benefit always goes out tax-free and is very easy to distribute and gets distributed in cash to the kids. So that's one thing that you can do. We talked about the Roth IRA conversion. One of the things that you can do too, if you were so inclined, you can take your 401k, well, and you'd want to put it into an IRA first, but you can do a self-directed IRA. And a self-directed IRA can buy real estate, a business, and many things like that that will produce an income. And maybe it's a passive income that you want from you know rental property and that sort of thing. So there's lots of things, lots of ways to go about doing that. The other thing is we can use strategic asset allocation. If you have money outside of a retirement plan, it's going to be in a brokerage account or a savings account or something like that. We can choose certain investments and tools that allow us to get dividend payments or to get tax-free interest payments that will help us to stay in a lower tax bracket as well. So when we talk about an investment plan, as we said, taxes uh, first and foremost come to my mind, but that is not the only thing considered with an investment plan. I would imagine that in the beginning, you've just got to assess your investment strategy. Well, what it amounts to is, you know, we have people that come in here, Jeff, that will say, well, you know, I, I don't really, I just want maximum risk. Because that's how you get maximum return, right? Well, yes and no. We look at this thing called risk-adjusted return. So risk and a person's capacity or ability or want to endure market volatility and big ups and downs in their accounts. I often tell people my job as an, as an advisor is to learn, you know, the, the S&P 500, the market, it goes up, it goes down. You can't control it. I can't control it. The market's going to cycle. And when the market cycles, what we don't want to do, because there's going to be some deep cycles once in a while. We had one in 2000, negative 43%. We had one in 2009, negative 53%. We had the short-lived pandemic down 34%, you know, and then we got this one that we're kind of in the middle of right now. We know that the markets are going to cycle. And what our job as an advisor is, is to get people invested in such a way to where they will stay invested. Uh, now, we're not going to just set it and forget it. We're going to we're going to move things around all the time. Tactical asset management is a real thing. And nothing is good for every, every Sears, uh, you know, becomes a Montgomery Ward. And every Walmart becomes a Kmart. And every Bennigan's goes out of business. Do you remember Bennigan's, the, uh, oh, the sport, yeah. one of the original oh, yeah sports bars no longer around out of business right you probably remember crestage you may remember uh venture stores you might remember i mean there's just if you think about it woolworths you know it goes on and on and on montgomery wards what was another western auto used to go get a bicycle western auto remember that one yeah absolutely yeah now we're now we're going down memory lane aren't we anyway the biggest thing is we have to understand (laughs) people's acceptance or aversion to market volatility is what it gets down to and so that's our job is to help recognize that. And, you know, I, I've told people several times, you know, right now, 
when markets are not good and the and the the horizon looks gloomy and nobody's sure about anything and we don't know where the bottom of this market is that's really when we really earn our money in this business (laughs) at that point in time because people call up and they're afraid they're concerned they want to know that you know we've we've got our hand on the tiller that we know that we know what's going on that we're we have a plan you know and so a plan starts with a beginning, but then that plan gets monitored and tweaked. You know, our part of our five-step process, as far as once we get people, you know, on board, is to continue to monitor and tweak the plan and make sure we stay connected with them so they understand what's going on with their money. That's really important. So, what is your investment plan? Well, it's up to the individuals. You said there is no set it and forget it investment plan. But as we said to recap in this segment, tax minimization probably at the top of the list. And once you've got that under control, then you might want to consider your risk tolerance, your investment strategy, and you want to create a retirement investment plan that's really based on your retirement goals. I mean, what do you want to do in retirement? Do you want to travel the world or do you want to buy a bass boat, go fishing every weekend? It is entirely up to you. Every plan is going to be different. If you're listening to this program right now and saying, you know, I think I need a little help with my investment plan. Well, have we got the solution for you? Call Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 and sit down and have that conversation about you and your retirement. There's no cost. There is no obligation. 417-889-7233. You can also request your retirement plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break here on Show Me The Money. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on my favorite radio station, 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me The Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about estate and legacy planning. And Randy, I read that an estimated $68 trillion will pass from baby boomers to their beneficiaries over the next 30 years. It's the biggest wealth transfer in history, so an estate plan is very, very important. Not that one person is going to be passing $68 trillion, but collectively <laughs> it is $68 trillion. But I think in this segment we're going to be talking about the average person listening to the program today right here in Springfield, Missouri. What are some of the important estate planning documents that you think everyone should have? have. I think number one, I think we should kind of define what is an estate because a lot of people say, well, you know, how much money do I have to have to have an estate? Well, everybody has an estate if you own anything. And and everybody has at least some personal belongings, right? But it becomes more important if you have titled assets. So let's talk about it. There's a lot of ways to avoid probate, which is what everybody wants to do, right? Is they want to make sure they don't end up in court and have to pay attorney's fees and that sort of things to get uh, assets passed to their beneficiaries. So we can always do that with what's called POD, pay on death at the bank, TOD, transfer on death on our brokerage accounts and things of that nature. And we can do it with beneficiary designations on IRAs, 401ks, life insurance policies, that sort of thing. And even in some states like, like Missouri, Missouri allows us to use a beneficiary deed on property to pass assets to our children. Now let's talk about the potential problems with using POD, TOD, beneficiary deeds, and beneficiary designations. So number one, if you have a beneficiary deed, now Jeff, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Randy, I have two brothers and one sister. Okay, so there's basically four of you guys, 
And, right. you know, now is your sister married? She is, yes. And what about your two brothers? Are they married as well? They are both married as well. Okay. So here in the state of Missouri, let's say that mom and dad pass you a property with a beneficiary deed. And what that beneficiary deed says is mom and dad own that property for as long as they live. And when they draw, the last of them draws their last breath, then it gets transferred to the kids. Now, in the state of Missouri, we have an, an interesting challenge here. Because you, your sister, and your two brothers all have a say in what goes on with that land. But guess right. what? In the state of Missouri, so do your spouses. So yeah. now all of a sudden, where mom and dad's intent was to give it to you guys, yay, we have four people and then the spouses. So now we have eight people that have to gr- agree on the disposition of that land. Some say, well, oh. I want to sell it. Others say, no, I don't want to sell it. I would never sell it. That was mom and dad's, right? I mean, you can't. Mm-hmm. So you have a problem there, right? And that can be the same way with any asset. Maybe it's a farm. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a business. So once in a while, people say, well, do I really need a trust? I've always often heard that I need at least a million dollars to need a trust. And the answer to the question is, if you have property that you want to pass and you want things to go as smoothly as possible and avoid the probate system, I'm going to tell you, you should look, sit down with an attorney, whether it's Leisha Siri here in the office or Elizabeth, one of her paralegals or whatever, to kind of get the lay of the land. And you don't have to use them here. You can use any any estate planning attorney you want. And I'm not an attorney. I'm to, I'll be clear with people on that. But I see this stuff all the time. I, from experience, I know that if you don't spell things out exactly, death and money bring out the absolute worst in people. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was make sure that everybody knew how things were to go and have a legal document to support that when Lisa and I are gone. So I would tell people that, you know, if you have a will and that's all you have, that is going to be used for the probate court and basically wills instructions to the judge. If you have beneficiary designations at the bank, that can work great. If somebody dies out of order, many times the bank doesn't give you multiple layers of beneficiaries. They give you a first-line beneficiary. And let's face it, as we get older and we may not think about certain things, if somebody dies out of order, we can intentionally disinherit people. Or unintentionally, I should say, disinherit people. You need powers of attorney for sure. One for finance, one for health care. But the one for finance is ultimately important because we need to be able to have people to act on our behalf should something happen to us. And that financial power of attorney or durable power of attorney for finance, or some people call it general durable power of attorney, needs to be very thorough, very explicit. We've been dealing, you know, with doing Medicaid planning and stuff for the last 16 years. So we run into situations where powers of attorney just didn't have the appropriate language and banks and financial institutions didn't do and wouldn't do what we needed them to do. So I would just say this, if you are thinking of, you know, doing some estate planning, if you have considered it, or maybe you're, you're just thinking of it now because I'm talking about it, you can call the law office here of Leisha Siri and you can sit down and talk about an estate plan. I just tell people everybody needs one and the bare bones minimum that you need is you need a durable power of attorney for finance and power of attorney for health care for sure. And then you need a lot beyond that, but you should sit down with, with a, and get legal advice and they will walk you through that process. So once again, to recap here, you need a POD, a pay on death at the bank, a TOD, a transfer on death, also possibly a beneficiary deed, a will or a trust, advanced medical directive, and a financial power of attorney. And as you said, Leisha Siri, the office, handles a lot of that stuff, 417-889-7233. I would imagine that uh, Ashley can transfer you over there.
You're listening to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd here. We're talking about the five keys to retirement planning. Let's jump to the next one here, Randy and Jake, and that is going to be long-term care. Some people may think, well, I've got Medicare, so that's going to pay for long-term care, but that's not exactly right, is it? It'll it'll pay for a short long-term care stay, which is kind of the antithesis. So Medicare has very limited paying. In fact, you have to meet a lot of hurdles for them to pay much of anything, but it's really meant to handle really acute type rehab stuff. Uh, anything beyond that, you know, you're going to find real quick that uh, Medicare does not cover a real long-term care type stay. And even though you're a long way from needing long-term care right now, it is the time to plan because an estimated 70% of Americans currently age 65 are going to need some sort of long-term care at some point. And the cost can be really staggering, not so much here in the last bastion of sanity as opposed to other parts of the country, but still it is significant. I mean, a private room in a nursing home could be over $100,000 a year on average, and Medicare is only going to cover long-term care for a very limited period of time. So let's talk about that, how to pay for long-term care. I mean, how do you pay for long-term care? Is a long-term care policy a good thing to have, or are there other ways to go about it? So for many years, Jeff, we did a public seminar, a workshop called Four Ways to Pay. So there's four ways to pay for long-term care. One is out of the hip pocket, stroke the check. You know, even here in middle America, the last bastion of sanity, it's probably about $7,000 a month now for somebody to be in a skilled nursing facility. Probably not the way. Now, if you need assisted living, that's probably in the $4,000 range for a couple, maybe $4,500. If you can live independently, maybe not so much. But the long and the short of it is you can write a check out of your hip pocket. Or if you're a veteran and you serve during a period of war and you have activities of daily living that you cannot perform, there's a veteran's benefit called aid and attendance. And for a married veteran, that could be up to around $2,300 a month. For a widow or a widower, about $1,300 a month. And a single veteran, around $1,750 a month of reimbursement. And again, you have to qualify financially and you have to have activities of daily living that you need assistance with to get that. Then you also have long-term care insurance that you can buy. And long-term care insurance, one of the major problems with it is if you buy it today, knowing that maybe you're 60 years old and you're probably not going to need it till you're 80 and you pay for it for 20 years and you put uh, an inflation fight around there so that your benefit's going to keep pace with the times, that means that your premium's also going to keep pace with the times and go up, 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 up. So, you know, that's one thing to do. And many people drop it about the time they need it because it gets so expensive they can't keep it and can't handle it anymore. Now, there's ways to put some controls on that, but it takes a little more than I can talk about right now on this particular radio show. However, there are other arrangements where you can make a single deposit in what looks like a life insurance or an annuity contract. It will, depending on your current health status, either double or triple the amount of money that uh, for care that you put in there, and it never changes. And that's a good thing. So when it never changes, that means you're never going to have to put more money in. If you never use it for long-term care, your beneficiaries get that money. Or if you need it for something else later, you can tap into that money money and use some of it if you need to. We like that situation better for long-term care insurance than the other alternatives. There are some life insurance contracts that actually have, uh, you can add long-term care benefits to, or some that have what's called chronic illness riders on there that say, hey, when you can't perform two activities of daily living, we'll accelerate your death benefit today and spread it out over three or four years of payments. So that's kind of the stuff we like to use a little better than trying to buy traditional long-term care insurance. 
And then last, so we talked about first, out of the hip pocket. Number two, veterans benefits. Number three, some type of long-term care plan. Number four is Medicaid. And Medicaid is for those folks that have fallen upon chronic illness and are in skilled nursing. Now, there's guidelines that have to be met here for people to qualify, but let me just say this. In most cases, well, not in most cases, in 100% of the cases, we can make the outcome for people better, depending on how much IRA money versus non-retirement money you have. And if you have multiple farms and, and houses and rental properties and things like that, sometimes we have to use trusts to help get you uh, where you can qualify. Other times we can do it immediately. But let me just say this. If you're facing this situation right now today, we can always make the situation better because we just know the rules. It's kind of like going to your tax preparer and you've got a complex you know, tax problem. Believe me when I say this, Medicaid is a complex problem and we know how to navigate it. We've been doing it for 16 years, but we can always make it better. You can just call us here at Floyd Financial Group and uh, you can talk to Kayla and that right. number is 417-889-7233. All right. Or also floydfinancialgroup.com. So to <laughs> summarize there, Randy, there is a way to save the family farm, so to speak, from the nursing home, and you can do it right there at Floyd Financial Group. Been an interesting program today. Five keys to retirement planning here for 2023. Once again, we want to remind people that we are a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast, search for Show Me the Money, and you'll find this program listed right there. Well, we just get started, gentlemen, then we run out of time. And that's what's happened right now. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Thanks a lot for listening to us. Go out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.